Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Magician Nelson Lugo. Hi, I'm nerdcore rapper Shafe of the Dark Lord. We're best friends who hate each other's guts. And we co-host the Epic Podcast. A monthly show in which we discuss comic books, video games, television, movies, our debilitating emotional problems, and Batman. So much Batman. That's the Epic Podcast on the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Be safe, Internet. Bye. Seriously, so much Batman. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Patrick Bear here, and we are back, 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 back. Rules. Back again. There's a back for every Drag Race franchise or drag show that has happened in the last year. I am Patrick Bear. I am being joined today by Eric. Hello. And Brian. Hi. And uh, we're doing a drag dive into the glittery abyss that is uh, televised drag nowadays. There is so much that is going on, that has gone on, that will be coming up over the course of just pretty much every day. Like, honestly, just about every day you can turn to a channel or a streaming service and watch drag performers and artists uh, just lighting up your television screen. And we are going to talk about them. We are not going to really do a specific deep dive onto any particular uh, program or season, I should say. We are going to just kind of give our thoughts on some of the drag that has been happening. We will talk about some of the drag programs that are currently airing and uh we will cap off our our chat today with a little uh first feelings thoughts 
opinions of Drag Race Season 14, which the cast was just announced about a week before we uh, are recording here today, and then premieres on January 7th, 2022. Dear Lord, I cannot believe it is almost 22. I have two very important... Oh, sorry, Eric. I have two very important questions about this this whole thing we need to talk about. First of all, do we believe we have reached peak drag race content? Uh, or or is there going to be a year where we have even more than we did this year? Uh, and, and second, I think more importantly, do we think that RuPaul has enough money yet where she can stop fracking? Well, you know what <laughs> she is, right? She's a fracking queen. She's a fracking queen. I mean, you know. Yeah. I don't think, personally, I don't think we've hit peak saturation. I think there is still a little more that can happen before we hit peak saturation. When we finally make it to, like, Drag Race Bulgaria, uh, Drag Race... Congo, Drag Race UAE. I that's you know when we start getting to to that point, I think is uh, when I will say we are a little closer to complete saturation of the drag market. I guess I just don't know at what point it starts to decline. Do you know what I mean? Like because we know rumors of what's coming soon, and there is a certain thing that we we may have alluded to that is coming next year that seems like it's the zenith. <laughs> of of drag race at least if not other spinoff properties uh and, and not to to say that it would you know preclude any future and and, and like a, an ongoing sort of thing that they're planning uh but i just i got like this year has been i mean i will be quite honest with the, with the audience i have watched almost none of what we're going to talk about today <laughs> for for decently you know not drag related reasons but still uh, I just, it's so much. It's so much. I don't know how y'all keep up with it. I will say that the only one that I haven't kept up with is Italy. I have watched two episodes. Same and I, for me. I would say I, I will use uh, non-existent air quotes because, again, uh, podcasting is a visual medium. But I was doing other things, and it is very difficult because you have to read. Like, there are subtitles. Unless you speak fluent Italian, you can't just kind of passively watch it. You have to actively watch. So a lot of what I watched in those two episodes was just kind of getting the gist of what was going on here and there. But kind of just paying attention to what the the visuals were and not really kind of diving more into uh, really watching it like I did with Holland. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I think the difference with Drag Race versus some of these other shows, because you've got shows like Survivor, which have international variations. There are other variants to the show. You have Survivor Australia. There's Survivor Romania. Uh, and the only reason I partially know that these things even exist is because some of those people have crossed over into another show that I binge watch ridiculously <laughs> during the beginning of this year in the challenge. And they've brought some of those contestants from like other Big Brother 
franchises and survivor franchises into the challenge. I think the difference is they want us, at least in the U.S., I don't know about if they push it as hard in other countries, but they really want us to watch all of these variants. And then when RuPaul is involved, they really try to make it Americanized. And I think we'll get to this in in a, in a minute when we talk about Drag Race UK season three. There is a huge push for these other countries' versions of the show when RuPaul is involved to appeal to an American audience. And I think that's a horrible, horrible idea. Because why? We aren't and shouldn't be the main focus of what that that version of the show is going for. When España, which I still think is one of the best um, international versions of the show, they did not give a flying fuck about Americanizing it. The host the judges all of the people involved with the show were uh, were spaniards were all spanish based people the snatch game people were all like it didn't matter these were people that the people in the country of origin of this program would enjoy and would find entertaining whether i mean i don't know if they did or not because i'm not i'm not from spain so i don't really know who most of those people were but We'll dive into this part of it real quick. Snatch game for Drag Race UK season three. If RuPaul could have gone around and told one more person to do an American celebrity, and I know that you can share is an American celebrity. She's internationally known, internationally famous and regarded, but she's an American celebrity. These queens don't necessarily, you know, Chodisa May isn't a share impersonator. She's not good. Like, just because Rue would have a giggle and a laugh at one joke or it would tickle her, I think that's ruining the the feel of these programs when Rue is involved. And that's yeah, my and the take final, on that. The final two of the Snatch Game episode were actually the two queens that didn't change their celebrities that RuPaul wanted to. And which is why they went home. <laughs> <laughs> she said, you did not listen to me. Get the fuck off my show. Mm-hmm. Because there was a lot of eliminations and non-eliminations in a short period of time that did not make sense. But anyhow, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay, let's back it up a second. Let's rewind. And okay, so Brian, you said that you haven't watched a lot of the drag programs that have been out this year. Eric, have you been keeping up with the Dragapalooza that is uh, drag programming on... American television and streaming platforms. Yes. So as of this recording, 1214, um, I have seen every drag race iteration minus, I haven't seen the reunion episode for Canada and I've only seen two episodes of Italy. Okay. Which I was surprised. We will get into Canada, but I like the way that they did that. They actually, they made it fresh. They made it fresh. I liked it. Well, yeah, um, they said it was going to be the reunion episode, and I thought, oh, well, I don't have to watch this. And then I was pulling up the wiki page, and I was like, oh, they did something. Oh, so you didn't watch the, uh, you must not have caught it in the next time on Canada's Drag Race, because no. they made a mention, I think Brad, um, that little portion of the beginning where they're like, 
the the top four is about to become the top three. And I was like, oh, bitch, really? No, I, I, must was, I was impressed. Maybe. All right. I am the same as Eric, except I have watched the, <laughs> the reunion, the penultimate episode of Canada's Drag Race. Um, I have been keeping up with, with everything except for Italy. And the, I think the only other episode, the only other thing I have not watched was the reunion episode of España. And I heard it was cute and I heard it was delightful in certain ways, but it wasn't, it was a reunion episode that I did not need to watch. <laughs> and I think I had other stuff going on and just said, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'll come back to that. So we've on this program, maybe not this program on in this stream, in our feed, We've touched a little bit on Drag Race Down Under. I think we talked about it up right before the end of that season. That flaming pile of trash that it was. (laughs) Because, and you already touched on it for UK, but RuPaul tried to take all the Australian New Zealand out of it and make it all American. Yeah, yeah. Well, that there were a lot of reasons why <laughs> Drag Race Down Under. Well, had, yes, had a there, lot of there were a number of things, but <laughs> she did try to America wash it. She she America washed it. Uh, she spoke for the entire black community and forgave blackface. Yep. Um, I see the Scarlet. Oh God, it was Scarlet Adams? Yes, I that portion of it. I I still find I, I I find her apology and her explanation very much a very much lip service. And I don't know her. I don't know what's in her heart. I don't know what she's doing to try to make um amends for performing in blackface and and for all of that. Um, I think the main issue was I'm sure during the casting process everyone knew about that. And there were conversations had about it, but you can't go through the entire show and not address it because the fandom will find all that stuff and be like, what the heck? Why, why did no one know about this? They knew, but they can't spend half an hour getting into the um, nuances of it. They can only do like a quick five second. Are you sorry? I'm sorry. Okay. Black people forgive you. <laughs> and then Rue with the biggest boomer energy of going, I'm sure some people would want me to cancel you, but I'm about forgiveness. Rue, I'm just, I'm, 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 no, ma'am. No, ma'am. Okay, boomer is what I felt the rest of the stage should have said. Uh, and then you have Karen from Finance and the Cupid doll tattoo and collection. I found. And this is me. Maybe it's because I I like Karen from Finance as a character. In reading her apology and like the what's come out from her about the whole thing, and her getting rid of the the collection, getting the tattoo covered up, like the steps that she's taken feel more genuine, mm-hmm. even if it was spurned by spurred on by what she's going through in being put into a bigger public spotlight. 
I still feel like there is a little bit more growth there. But I I don't know. I Ketamine seemed like a, a fine enough queen, but was not my favorite. And honestly, that top four, you had Art Simone, who I felt like did not deserve to be back. <laughs> it was brought back, back for, for no, no reason. reason. <laughs> you had Scarlett Adams, who's out there twirling around in uh in in blackface and you know mocking indigenous the uh aboriginal people of australia and new zealand you have karen from finance who i mean i could still see the point of not putting a, title, a crown on her because of the the you know her her past and her history and then i guess ketamine was the the only other choice Wins by default. <laughs> it just, and I mean, she was fine, but it was like the least, it was the most anticlimactic drag race finale I've ever seen. And the uh, user ratings reflect that apparently because it is the lowest rated of any uh, drag race franchise that aired this year. Uh, we had season 13, which I believe we've chatted about through the finale, or I don't know if we t- chatted about the finale. But uh, I know that we did have some good conversations about the season mm-hmm. with Simone taking the win. I still am a little pissed that I, I knew that they had to put Simone and Gottmik up against each other in the first round. Because you know that shit is fixed as hell. There yeah. is no way they were leaving it to chance. <laughs> but you had to have Simone or Gottmik take one of the other like one of them had to get knocked out in the first round there was no way you were going to have that come to the end and then not crown both of them as a winner at that point but what was your what was your take and your feel on uh simone the ebony enchantress and her factory winning the uh the crown i thought she was fantastic all season um yeah i still don't if there is one thing, I still don't like her entrance outfit from the very beginning of the season. <laughs> uh, the Polaroid dress. I just, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that was the, the really the only thing I could knock her about was just, but that's just personal taste. That's all that is. Exactly. Personal I get the not ra- taste. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no one's ever called us fashionistas. So, <laughs> so trust, I get it. I, uh, I'm the same way. It wasn't my favorite of her looks. Um, she did such amazing things throughout the the entirety of the season. But um, yeah, that was, it was fine, but it just definitely, it didn't feel like a drag race workroom entrance outfit. But yeah, I mean, I was happy for Simone too. Like that, I, I really thought that Mick was going to take it. Um but Simone well deserving of of the title and she went on to NPR's wait wait don't tell me as the guest one like 2 weeks after she won and that was that tickled me so much i don't know why when there's drag queens on wait wait don't tell me i get so excited but i do <laughs> yeah um, uh, simone did a lot of stuff in the public eye i know because RuPaul subbed in for one of the late night hosts. I can't remember which one, but had Simone on and they had um, a good conversation. Uh, yeah. And then I've just nice seen her. See. She also, uh, Simone also 
uh, was in Casey Musgrave's uh, new video uh, for her album release. As was well. it just was it just her? Or were there a couple of queens? I remember her being in the video. I could I just can't remember off the top of my head if there were more queens in it or if it was just Simone. I remember it was just Simone in the group of four girls. Okay. But I didn't watch the whole video, so I don't know if like there were cameos. Gotcha. No, no, no. I'm thinking of exactly what you're you're describing, that like four girls, like them walking down the hall or mall or whatever it was. Yeah. I remember seeing the picture. Um, and then we've also had the beginning of the year, we had Drag Race UK season two with Lawrence Cheney as our winner. I know we've talked about that in previous uh, conversations. Uh, we've also talked about All Star Six and uh, Kylie Sony Glove snatching that crown in an oddly really good season when i first saw the cast well before it was announced i was like this is not gonna be entertaining at all to watch and it's probably up there with like the the, like in the second or third spot for me of all-star seasons with all-star two being you know obviously the peak all-stariness of uh, all-star so far yeah luckily uh, most of the people that I liked made it farther into the season, so I was happy about it. Yeah, no, it definitely it surprised me, and even the queens that I ne- that wasn't necessarily there to watch entertained me, and and I enjoyed seeing them, and was still happy that Serena Cha Cha went first, so we didn't have to see her too long. <laughs> now I just feel like Willem <laughs> while talking about her. Uh, so we've chatted about all of those. So let's jump into, uh, let's talk Canada's Drag Race. Let's do a little chatter about that. I will say this. I haven't really gotten super invested in this season. And I don't, I, I don't say that to be shady to the queens because I don't think it's that. I just, I don't know what it is. I haven't connected with this season Um as as much as I, I think I I thought I would have, what are your what are your big takeaways as we enter into uh, the finale coming up this week? I think there have been some good things about the season that I've liked, um, but yeah, I would say overall it's not as interesting as the first season. Um, a couple of the queens that I liked didn't end up performing as well as I thought they would. Like I was sad uh, Beth went home the first episode. Based on the Meet the Queens, I thought she was really interesting. Um, and then Suki Doll left really early in the season. But I really liked um, her attitude and her runways a lot. Um, well, and spoiler alert, she's Miss Congeniality, so. Oh, goodness. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, it would have surprised me if Eve 6000 was Miss Congeniality. <laughs> Um, can i tell you this real quick since you mentioned eve 6000 so you remember the band eve six right yes okay so the lead singer is basically the band now like it's it's him and i guess you know some other musicians 
which it always has, but he's running like it's his he's running the Twitter account. And I don't know how or why, but I somebody must have retweeted in my timeline a comment that or a tweet that he had posted. And it might have been about Third Eye Blind or something like to that effect. And I started just kind of digging through the tweets. It is the most like shit postiest Twitter account that I follow, and it's amazing. And it's like super left, like politic wise, and then just like ridiculousness. He's having a a quote unquote Twitter feud with Patton Oswalt. Like it, it's just ridiculous. But then at one point, he um, he changed the the display name for the account to Eve Six Thousand Fan Account. <laughs> And I was like, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> and they actually just released a new song. So if you liked Inside Out or their other hit, <laughs> feel free to uh, go check out new Eve 6. I didn't think I'd be saying that in 2021. I'll get right on it. <laughs> Relive the 90s. Uh, just we just also... make sure you don't swallow your pride or choke on a rind. <laughs> Um, we also got to see one of the most awkward lip syncs of all history uh, when Kimora Amora did everything but Mimi, I'm first lift uh, geometric on her shoulders. Um, like, girl, if you want to go home, just go home. Like, what are you doing? I love that the judges were like, um, before we announce the winner, we just got to know what the fuck was that? Possibly in that exact verbiage. Like, I know that they, I feel like they said, I feel like they asked what the fuck that, what what the fuck was that? And it made me laugh so hard because I was like, she's literally just all up in her, all up in her space, like right staring her in the face instead of lip syncing. Oh, it's so awkward. Um, I thought that the makeover episode was really good. Um, just the way the queens connected to all the kids. I thought that was really nice. Um, and then I think either Isis or Pythia should win. Okay. Yeah. Um, my kind of what the fuck moment was uh, that clown scene in the Rusical. Oh. That Rusical was 93% what the ever living fuck what are they doing? And then 7%. Wow, this bitch is going to have a singing career at the end of it. Okay, mostly that was just, was it Cynthia Kiss? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think, I feel like her part was probably about 7% of the uh, the musical. I mean, she was the main lead, but still. Uh, yeah, it definitely, I'm with you on all the points that you made. That makeover episode probably was my favorite of the season so far. Like, Mm-hmm. of this season because it really did humanize and show a different side of some of the queens and then drag races in most iterations has taken on i guess i think since season nine of u.s drag race has taken on a very um after school special the more you know um on a very, uh, a very special episode feel 
in a lot of them because they have to get these things out to the audience. Let's talk about pronouns. Let's talk about, you know, the the struggles that we went through in coming out. Let's talk about how I was a drug addict. You know, like mm-hmm. that that conversation and the um uh, the the young kid that Isis made over when she had talked about being all alone, you know, as being a young trans kid, and then like Isis kind of breaking down and in the confessional talking about the addiction and and kind of being at that point of uh, ODing to try to take her life, that was really moving and really touching and didn't feel a special episode ish. It felt very authentic and genuine and, and somebody just connecting and, you know, the whole, you're, you'll never be alone again. I will give you my number. You know, you will, you will always have somebody to, to talk to and to call. That was genuine and felt real versus, Hey, so how have you done this before? Like, you know, you know, when the producers are prompting a conversation. Yeah. So I, I honestly, I, I think Pythia should win from a an artistic standpoint. I don't know. I, I I don't I don't really have a favorite. I don't have a horse in this race on who should win. Do you have I, a centaur in the race? I might have a centaur in the race. <laughs> it makes me think of Xanadu the musical uh, because that's kind of like the same look, just in pink. From yeah. when the centaur comes out in the production, <laughs> but Pythia's Pythia's outfits have been on fucking point and amazingly stellar. Like, mm-hmm. if you haven't really been watching, but you want to see some really creative drag, check out Pythia's runway looks from Canada's Drag Race season two. Let's hop across the pond. Let's talk Druck Three. Oh, woohoo! Oh goodness. Uh, I liked some of the episodes. I think, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> uh, let's see here. I felt bad for Veronica Green because everything that came out about her story after the fact has just been horrible about how she should how she feels she shouldn't have come back um, that season and it's understandable i mean she was broke and it was a hard time all around for anybody to get work and the expectation when you're coming back to a second season is that you're just going to be so much more elevated than the first time around and she just wasn't able to produce garments that would have shown that. Well, because um, when you spend that much money to be on a season, have a pandemic breakout, and you're already, you know, not able to work, getting sent home from production, not able to work, and then you get sick, and yeah. then you have no money, and you can't use, you've spent, let's say, $30,000. $30, you don't have that to re- redo an entire package and the prompts aren't going to be the same. So the outfits that you had made for the prompts for season two won't match season three. So you can't bring those. So 
yeah, it's just shit luck on that. And I understand the, I understand her wanting to come back because you, you didn't get a chance you to don't finish turn it, it down. out. Like, yeah. Yeah. But to, for it to come around again that quickly, like that, that really was, that really sucked. I really do hope that once is a point where she's able to kind of replenish where she's at and, and get a better foothold with everything. And then maybe an all stars or something. I hope that she gets a chance to kind of get a little bit of that redemption just maybe in her own mind. Like, I don't, I don't think she did horrible. I just, I, I feel for her and I, I, I know that she probably is kicking herself for not living up to her own standard. And I would like to see her get a little bit of redemption for that. Yeah. And I think overall production just didn't know what to do storyline storyline wise um, after Victoria went home because I think she was going to be the bulk of their storyline most of the season, and her in- getting injured just kind of threw all that out the window. And with how quick the turnaround was on production to airing, it was kind of tough. On I mean, the they editors. filmed in ten days, so <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly, <laughs> dude, do we get pussy queen, uh, bussy queen to uh, start start saying that we're we're propagating rumors and lies over here on our podcast? Although maybe we get some more listeners from that. <laughs> uh, I liked Theresa May. She was definitely the voice of the producers for as long as she was on, because she was always the one who asked the very pointed question to get the ball rolling. And it was phrased in the exact way that the producer would have told her. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, I thought Charity Case got a little bit of a raw deal. I think the producers probably cast her to be this wild and different person. But RuPaul and Michelle just did not like it. And I feel that's a little rough for her. Um, I don't think she got... I don't think she was appreciated the way... She should have been. Um, yeah, I, I, I could, I can, I can see that for sure. Not my cup of tea when it comes to drag, but extremely creative and immensely talented. So, yes. yeah, I, I definitely think it, it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a raw deal. Uh, uh-huh. it, what would have been really funny is if they'd shown the alleged altercation between her and RuPaul on film. That oh, I didn't even read about that. Oh, so I think it was the double Shantae episode. So the first time that she and Scarlet. Yep. <laughs> like, I don't remember which Scarlet is. I was going to say Scarlet Bobo, but that was uh, Canada season one. So um, many Scarlet. Scarlet Harlot. That's it. Yes. Uh, yeah, we had no Scarlets until we had... Uh, Shit, who's the who's the Envy. drama? Envy. Yeah. <laughs> Is it me? Am I the drama? Am I the drama? <laughs> um, so when Scarlet Harlot and Charity Kays first lip synced, or I guess before they lip synced, uh, she had gotten critiqued harshly and I guess was her mic was still hot and said allegedly said something about, oh, I don't need this fucking show. I was only I was on, you know, the I, if I was good enough for Vogue, you know, I should be good enough for the show. I don't need this fucking show. Like, whatever. Like, just kind of shit-talking the show. 
and I guess it got back to Rue or Rue listened to it. And then when they came back out, she was like, if you don't need my fucking show, then you can leave. <laughs> Apparently, oh, wow. this whole thing. Yeah. And then she, you know, saved her only to eliminate, eliminate her the following week. <laughs> and that was weird because I don't think that should have been a double Shantae because the next week was a better lip sync for both of the queens. And it was just so weird. Yeah, absolutely. But then when they sent Victoria home, they or, you know, they that day, that episode, they still sent, I think, uh, Veronica home in that episode. I think that was episode three. And, like, why did you need to send anybody home on that episode? You could have just left it be, well, with Veronica being eliminated, we're not going to send anybody home. And then, like, it just, there were so many choices. There were so many choices that were made that did not make sense in the way that the the show broke down. It was just... Like, I don't think Teresa should have been sent home in the double sachet. I thought it was a, I thought it was a serviceable enough lip sync to stay. I mean, it was bad. It wasn't good. That wig <laughs> she was trying to do something with was. Well, and then you've got, yeah, that, I mean, it, it, it was bad. <laughs> I can't even use the word good. I can't even use not good. I, I just, it's, it was bad. And I didn't watch it. I, I, again, I tend to kind of zone out and do other things while I'm watching uh, television. So I, when I saw it the second time around and watched her fuck with that wig for as long as she did, I was like, at that point, just fucking take the wig off. Like, yeah, I you're mean, still going to go home. I mean, <laughs> River's already taken off every anything. piece of drag she has on. So <laughs> just they both, they both didn't know what to do with themselves. And they were not in outfits that were conducive to them for lip syncing. And it did not, it did not work well. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I have a question. Sure. Yes. So I did watch some of this season. So at least I, I, I'm sort of following and, and mostly aware of what you're talking about. Uh, and then the rest of the time, I'm just kind of like my mind is wandering. So I don't get spoiled, you know, because I guess I care about that. Not really, I don't know. For the uh, 14 seasons of Drag Race, you are behind on. Listen, it's just three. <laughs> it's I, I realize as we're talking, I, I did watch like the first episode of, uh, no, Spanya. 
Oh, shoot. No, I never watched any of Italy. Either way, it doesn't matter. I watched some of UK because I like the UK stuff. Uh, I also like the Canada stuff, so I'm kind of like excited to watch that. But UK, like overall, was this one of the ones where you feel like they really tried to lean too much into the Americanized, uh, you know, Americanizing it? Or did they? Because I know in the first season, I felt like at least they seemed to kind of hew back to these very British uh, and English, UK, you know, themes and, 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 and cultural references. Did you not feel that way for this third season? On the roast episode, when Rue was doing her walk around, she told four queens to switch to an American celebrity. Oof. A okay. Snatch Game, you mean? Yes, for Snatch, snatch Game. game. Yeah. Got yeah. it. Well, were I, they, mean, I mean, Scar- were there only six Scarlet, people? Harlot, the what? Oh, no. Uh, yeah, Scarlet. She told Teresa. Is it River? Yep. And Elevate. Okay. Well, I think she coached Elevate. Like Ella wasn't sure which one to pick, and then I think she pushed her towards uh, Nigella. Yeah, and and I mean not necessarily all American right. celebrities, yeah. but like when you tell Theresa May you should do share, it's like what well, what? And it in the the phrasing and the verbiage that Rue uses is well, it should, it should appeal to you know people around the world are going to see this and they may not know who this person is. If it's, it's, it's like her telling Tia coffee that her drag is too regional. And I get that it's on a worldwide platform in wow presents plus, but it's still fucking wow presents plus. It's not like this is on goddamn paramount plus right now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This is a very it's a BBC show. It's yeah. It's a very niche market. Like, just let us enjoy these queens having a good fucking time doing what they're doing. I don't know who Gemma Collins is. I mean, I know the name because it's been said, you know, multiple times in the three seasons that have been on when uh, and Cheryl Hole did Gemma on season one. But Kitty Scott Claus was fantastic in, you know, in that in that role. Oh, she told she told she pushed Kitty back to doing Gemma. Because Kitty was going to do somebody else. And she was like, just do Gemma Collins. Because uh, everybody right. except for River and Teresa did what Rue said. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, essentially saying, if you don't bite the hand that's feeding you, you will stay on the show. And the two people who didn't do it were the ones who went home. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here, but... Ended up with Scarlet Harlot being Macaulay Culkin and just screaming for every answer. That was tiring. and a more and more annoying high pitched scream. A different, yes. more annoying high pitched scream each time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think overall, um, Ella definitely had the best track record, uh, but she kind of flailed in the finale and. In the final runway and lip sync. Because in the finale, she did well in the challenge, but she bombed the second half. Yeah. And I wanted Ella to win. Ella was my my horse in that race. Kitty was mine. I love a comedy queen. I mean, Ella was great, but... I was was worried that they weren't going to put somebody as similar to Lawrence in the same... Like, in the same year. As you I, know, as the I winner, understand that. 
Um, and I mean, Rue had the biggest fucking boner for oh Crystal from episode one, and it was nauseating. And then her story went nowhere. Like her story was meh for the rest of it while they elevated Ella and Kitty. And then you get to the end and it's like, well, fuck all of your growth. Fuck your drag. (laughs) And Crystal, here's a crown. And it's like, "Mm, okay. Well, it's kind of like what happened last year because Lawrence was great in the first half of the season. And then after the break, Bimini came back and kind of swept the second half of the season. But it still went to Lawrence. Yeah, but Lawrence had a had an arc. And even at the low moments, they still made it a good story. Crystal's low moments, like there was only kind of one humanizing moment. And that was in uh, Bra Wars. Horrible challenge, by the way. The girls did well. But god damn, they have even worse writers over in the UK. Um, But it just, it didn't seem like there was any real story behind it. It was like, look at how amazing she is in episodes one and I guess in two. And really, her second badge should have been the third episode, but they couldn't give her three in a row. I mean, they could have, but then obviously everybody would have stopped watching because they'd have been like, oh, okay, well, Crystal's going to win, which we all said from episode two when they gave her two badges back to back in two episodes. But anyway, yeah, I, I was not happy with that, how that all played out. I liked some of the queens. I don't think there was really any queen in this cast that I was not a, like, I didn't like. But yeah, I I did not, I I was not a fan of how this this series ended. For sure. All right. So from there, we, we, we mentioned Italy. We haven't really watched it ourselves. Any, any hot takes on Italy as a, uh, as a franchise? Um, I think I like all the judges. It's hard to tell sometimes <laughs> just because gotcha. you don't get references or cultural like themes and that kind of stuff to understand, but they seem to have really good interaction with the Queens, which is good. Um, I feel that some of the contestants are pretty samey samey. So like coming into this, if I wasn't looking at their names, and pictures, I would be confused who was who. Um, other than Laquisha and Ivana. Um, and I really don't necessarily Did you say understand. Laquisha Kiana? No, the new Laquisha... head cheerleader from Shakespeare? Totally. Um, <laughs> no, Laquisha and Ivana. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Yes. Uh, I don't necessarily know why they're really pushing a Norma to be the villain of the season, but that's happening. Like she must have her. Is she the drama? Apparently. And she must have worked with most of these Queens because they. Oof. Some of the workroom banter is pretty rough. Um, I think LaRiche is my favorite so far. Of the two episodes I've seen. So let me ask this. Do you know, is the hot daddy that usually comes in with the pit crew, is is that the drag queen main yeah, that's, that's, judge host? Is that Priscilla? Is that her okay. name? Okay. Yeah, Priscilla. Yes. Yes. Okay. She, okay. she keeps trying to be a pit crew member and they're like, no, 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 no. I'm like, well, you're old and you're a judge. 
<laughs> you're old you're supposed to be hosting the show get over here because yeah that's like the weirdest part about it like and it's kind of the same with canada i don't i i i get having this ensemble a little bit but at the same time it's so weird because it the, it totally doesn't have consistency because not each of these judges who come in and present a mini challenge and the main challenge have that same vibe. So lover or hater, Rue as the the host, presenter, judge, it, it brings a a consistency to the program where sometimes like Canada especially, like because there's three different people besides Brooklyn. Cause there's the Tracy right, Melkor, Melchior, Amanda Bruegel, Brad Goreski, and Brooklyn. Yes. Because Amanda and Tracy will switch out depending on the week. Right. Which that's just like um, Carson and Ross. Yeah, but you don't see Ross and Carson coming in and like doing a mini challenge with the girls or or ho- right. like presenting the like if if that was the case, like if Rue came in one week, Carson came in one week, Michelle came in one week, Ross came in one week, like their energies are all so different. That it would not, it would, there would be a, I don't know, like, maybe it's just because I'm so used to a bajillion seasons of U.S. Drag Race that I I like that tone. I think part of it is RuPaul not wanting Brooklyn to think she is RuPaul. (laughs) True, but it's, well, okay, no, because España and Holland their head judges were the only ones that came into the workroom and presented the right. challenges and all that. So yes. it's just, right now it's just Canada and Italy that have done it. But, but yeah, but, I definitely could see that. But the international, the international ones where RuPaul is not, um, those are very experienced Queens who I guess in that country hold like the same kind of place in pop culture as RuPaul does in the U S Maybe, but I mean, but, um, but if Italy is like, so Italy and Canada are doing it, but Holland and Spain aren't. So like, maybe it's, maybe that's going to kind of be the direction that any of these new, uh, international spinoffs will have. It'll be that panel of judges and they'll rotate through. It probably also means that they pay less because they're not having to do more as much in each episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would I, love to understand the politics of the network hosting that drag race locally and how much they're contributing to versus how much wow Fenton Bailey and all the that gang, you know, how much they dictate and 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 the cost uh associated. So like it always baffled me that Rue wasn't doing more with Canada uh, you know, anecdotally, she doesn't like to fly, but it's like, well, Canada, you may not have to even fly that far, at least, uh, if at all. But like, it's just interesting to see the various permutations. And I think part of it's really, it's got to be dictated by the network that they're they're partnering with. You know, BBC had one set of requirements, whereas, you know, uh, whoever you know, airs Italy or Spain or uh, or, or Holland or uh, Holland, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, like they have their own requirements and budgets. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like that is what's dictating it, but I absolutely love the way that, uh, España and, uh, and, uh, 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 Italy did it with having their own local legendary Queens because like, God, you just want this to live on. You'd think, and Rue can't be everywhere and it shouldn't just be Rue. It should be these, these, these leaders of their own uh, drag communities, even Brooklyn in, in Canada. I mean, you know, there, there are other more legendary, you know, people they could have probably gone to, but, um, I don't know. I just, I really would love to be the fly on the wall. Well, no, no. They Brooklyn actually, is the queen of the north. So. No, no, no. Well, yes, very much with so. Her, with they, her tiny flag and her, her bedazzled mounty hat. They featured that one queen whose name escapes me, who, I mean, admittedly is probably too old, maybe. Oh, the, maybe. the oldest working drag queen in Canada? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think she wasn't Not just Not herself in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, right. She's like legend in, in, in Canada, Canadian drag. Like, like. I mean, I, I applaud them for even showcasing them, uh, you know, at one point. But anyway, all I'm saying is I would love to, love to, love to read the, the tell-all about how these all, how these projects came about, you know, what were the requirements from the studios. Like, I just really want to know that detail because I think it explains so much of these these questions that we're trying to, you know, piece together from uh, just watching, you know. So I think, and this is only piecing it together through anecdotal evidence but the uk was the first one that wanted to do its own version and originally rue was not going to be involved the like kind of the production team that was going to do it it was going to be one of those where you know obviously world of wonder would be a producer on it but i think there was someone else that wanted to do it and was going to have another another queen be like the judge the host judge whatever but i think when they but it didn't it kept on getting pushed back getting pushed back i think what what it is is uk and australia are places that rue loves and rue loves to be a part of and loves the culture and i think that's why rue is involved in those two franchises because that's where like that's the ones she wants to be a part of i think when you have canada and you've got holland and spain and you know these other variants that are are a part of the franchise now i don't think those are her top picks of places to go and also could you imagine how long each episode would be if they had to have a translator oh my god bitch they had a michelle had to translate bell end is a punchline in UK season two. I think that's what started it. I think that's the point where uh, Rue was like, we need to Americanize all of this shit because you all are saying words and jokes that I don't understand. And when when RuPaul doesn't understand it, that's when it's a problem. If it's not funny to RuPaul, then it's a problem. And I think that's where it became, let's Americanize the ones I'm a part of. Yeah, no, I feel like there is a... Like there's that angle, which makes total sense, but there's also the idea that, yeah, we are trying to make this content that is going to sell to more than your country and networks that want to share those, those expenses hear that and go, well, that means it's cheaper for us. You know what I mean? Like world of wonder, I assume, or maybe there's some kind of profit splitting. I don't know, like would make more money if it was content that was more universally understood and, uh. Yeah, yeah. So all of that, all of that, I am so intensely fascinated by. 
Uh, I, I know Willem does their very best to uh, recount that for us uh, anecdotally as well, but I would just love someday when all the NDAs have expired, when Rue is passed on from this mortal coil. Like, I would just love to know the, the true dirt about how all of this came together. Uh, it would be, ah, anyway, so interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely would be. All, all of the shit that goes on behind the scenes would definitely be uh, amazing to get to get to hear those stories for sure. Uh, let's take a quick jump over to Dracula. Just kidding. We're not doing Dracula. Oh, no, I actually <laughs> watched that. No, I'm just kidding. I have not watched it. <laughs> I haven't watched it because I don't have a Shutter account and I refuse to <laughs> add no, that's, another that's, one on. That's my same, problem. Otherwise, I would actually really want to watch that. The last thing before we jump into the new queens that are entering the kingdom in uh, in 2022 is Queen of the Universe. Oh, yeah. Eric, have you watched? I have. It's very fun. I like it. Queen of the Universe. I'm telling you, it's just stuck in my head. And it makes me want to meet Vanessa Williams more and more every time I see her on that screen. She's a goddamn national treasure, and I love her so. Uh, so what did you think of... I did not expect them to drop two episodes in the beginning. Yeah, or honestly, to cut I, half the cast. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> honestly, I watched the first episode, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to tell next Wednesday. And then the day after, I found out, oh, they aired two episodes. I was like, oh, okay. Well, I have to watch the second one then. Oh, you um, cut that shit early. You don't. You don't stick around. You were like, "This show is over. I'm out. Gotta go." Exactly. <laughs> um, I liked the representation, the worldly re- uh, representation for the most part. Except, okay, you're filming this in the UK. You only have one UK queen on it, but you pick <laughs> five American queens. Well, because it's still an American show, even if it's even if it's for being filmed in the UK. The World of Wonder was like, um, yeah, we're just gonna pull heavily from the United States. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, three of the judges are American, so right there. Um, yeah, but but still, um, I thought most of the cuts, most of the first cut, were probably the right ones to cut. Um, I felt really bad for Jujubee. I know. Oh my but, god! But when she, when she sang that song, and then looking at the rest of the performances, it was like it didn't match up at all. No, no. Um, and I felt so bad for her because um, she didn't sound bad, but the performance was so lackluster. And that outfit, yeah, I didn't that know what outfit. she was thinking with that outfit. Yeah. Oh my god, that was. I'm gonna go and perform. A, a hot spot at a club and do this one number and then I'm going to drink the rest of the night for free. That's yeah. what that outfit was. That was not a, I'm performing on a, on a world stage in this drag queen singing competition outfit. Yeah. And, um, I was glad that they only kept two of the American Queens. Um, although those weren't the two I probably would have picked. I would have kept eight of Ox. She did um, say, yeah, no, I like. Her oh, oh Aria, gotcha, gotcha. But I was like, wait a minute. Uh, but um, I wouldn't have chosen Arya. Mm-hmm. I would have probably um, chosen uh, Cheyenne. I think she gave a much more powerful. Is it Cheyenne I don't Valentina? know if you know her. Yeah, I don't okay. know if you know her because she's from Chicago. So I don't know if you've seen her. 
Anyway. Bitch, I'm from <laughs> Chicago. Um, but I also really preferred uh, the New York Queen Novascar to Arya's performance. Uh, but that was just me and me being a Britney Spears fan. Gotcha. Uh, um, I thought Montante, the yodel, was incredible. Um, she wasn't as good the second episode. Um, but uh, Ronnie was amazing, the uh, Indian Queen. Yeah, I liked her. Um, and let's see here. And Jinzilla is my other kind of favorite one. Oh, Jin, yeah, Jin, Jinzilla, yeah. or Jinzilla, yeah. yeah, from Australia. Um, and Lavoie uh, is okay. I mean, I, I just I'm, saw a red wig in a silver dress. I don't think. Um, <laughs> I tweeted that after that first night, that for the premiere, the double, the double episode premiere. Um, yeah. I, I tweeted out a red wig in a silver dress. Hashtag I think not, and I tagged uh, Davina and uh, uh, Lavoie, and Lavoie oh, likes it, awesome. and it made me, it made me laugh. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I like, I like that it's a very efficient show. Um, as far as they're just knocking those numbers out, they're they're giving a little bit of a um, story uh, to each queen, a little bit of story time. But for the most part, they're just knocking them out. I wish the judges might get a little more um, time to talk, but for the most part, I think it's fine, and um, I like it as a concept. It'll be interesting when they say, okay, what about AFAB queens? Um, okay, what about uh, trans queens? No, well, yeah, for sure. And I mean, I like the concept. I like the production value. And it's been fun so far. So I'm excited to see it. Mm-hmm. See it progress. Okay, so that's pretty much a wrap on talking about the drag that's happened this year or currently happening, getting ready to wrap up soonish. But we've got 14 new dolls and divas that are s- sauntering into the Drag Race Kingdom January 7th, 2022, with season 14 of a RuPaul's Drag Race. We had a very Candyland themed uh, preview. We had an arcade-style uh, full reveal, Meet the Queens. There were claw machines and candy bars and game pieces of, of plenty. So let us do a quick first thoughts, hot takes on the Season 14 Queens. I'm sure that once we get a little bit more into the season, maybe we'll even try to get Ginger Minge back on and... and uh, bring back our lovely chats about new seasons with our favorites, uh, Orlando drag race queen. But Brian, did you have a chance to peruse the 14 dolls that are sashaying their way into the workroom? No, I actually did. Um, I, I think I was out of the country when this all came up uh, and I was, it caught my attention surprisingly. Uh, and I was like, Oh wow, we're already there. I 
I didn't know how much of a break there'd be, uh, you know, and, and we haven't had an American drag race in, in a while. So, you know, uh, but anyway, so yeah, January and I, and I, and I saw the list of Queens and I was like, Oh, okay. Okay, cool. I don't know any of these people. I've never heard of any of them except for one. I was very excited. We have after a, a long absence, we have a Seattle based queen in the mix. Um, one that I have not gotten to see, see personally, uh, mostly because of the pandemic, but you know, I, uh, I've heard good things. Actually, I was already following them on Instagram. I found out cause I kind of went through a collect them all phase, uh, all the local Queens here in Seattle, but Bosco is the queen from Seattle who will be competing. I don't entirely know how to describe their look. It's art forward, but elegant, I guess. Does that sound about right? Sure. I don't yeah. really, I looking, haven't looked at, at any of these queens. Promo or? Well, I'm looking at the promo. I've also, like I said, I followed her on Instagram. And so I, I, her looks are varying from elegance to pretty out there sometimes. Uh, maybe with a slightly goth twinge at moments, but overall I think very, very um, uh, mixed styles. So anyway, so Bosco is the only one I'm really uh, overly uh, or, or, or at all familiar with. I don't know. Did you guys know any of these other queens from uh, any other areas or shows that you've seen? Um, I did not. And I really haven't watched the Meet the Queens yet. Um, other than I saw a little bit of cornbreads because everybody's been talking about cornbread um, as kind of their pre preseason pick. Um, that people are rooting for. Um, but I liked her. I liked her promo look. Um, I liked her um, announcement look um, or reveal, whichever. Um, as far as the promo look, I'm also drawn to uh, Willow Pill, um, Lady Camden, Deja Sky, and Maddie Morphosis, which may be problematic. For me, <gasps> canceled. Uh, I know. Canceled. Yeah, let's, let's let's. I mean, okay. So yeah, let's. We're I'm gonna, sure we're that's going to come up later, but we're yeah. going to talk about Maddie. I have a feeling, but but um, before that, uh, Pat, what about you? Who who did you uh, who stood out? I, I don't know any of them, and it's the first time in a long time that I don't know any of them. And the funnier part is, uh, Chrissy, who doesn't watch the show, but knows so many of the girls from. 20 plus years of working at the parliament house and being in, in the world of drag. And, uh, he only knows one and that's Georges, um, who is a, a tiny little firecracker of, uh, of fun and, uh, 21 from Nashville. And I love that. He just utilized Jorge in a, in a, in a different way. And at Barioki this past uh, Sunday, one of my singers, George, anytime he would come up because of Race Chaser, I would go looking good, feeling gorgeous. And it just makes me giggle. Um, none of them, like a lot of them have amazing looks. I, honestly, I think all of their looks are pretty, pretty damn cool. Um, nobody is 100% like sticking out to me. Um, it is worth noting that both Cornbread and Carrie Colby are trans women who are now Yay. on the show. So that is phenomenal. Um, and it, I love the fact that it was such a vocal, like trans women deserve to be on the show. And then they cast two and there is little to no talk about it because all of the talk 
switches to Maddie Morphosis, who is a cisgender heterosexual male who does drag. And the conversation of does he belong on the show have been taking over the internet. Oh, like, oh, I just, this hurts my heart so much, right? Because we all talk this game of, of inclusivity and inclusion. And while it is obvious that uh, cis male white, uh, you know, we're not in the, we're not in the cultural uh, <laughs> dominance that we had enjoyed for probably most of recorded history. And that's great. I'm fine with that. Please don't ever mistake that. However, <laughs> like the fact that one heterosexual cisgender white male is is included and everyone loses their shit it's just like oh, i don't know i don't know it what well, i don't know am i wrong am i canceled please tell me i mean you've been canceled a long so. time that's true oral canceled me first um because was it one of the uk queens on the first season yeah yeah was bisexual Mm-hmm. Well, that's still LGBTQIA+. I understand that. Um, <laughs> and I will say that as far as I know, as far as what I've seen on social media and such, that he got into it because his girlfriend is a drag queen. Um, and all... And I haven't gone out and tried to search out what the fandom is saying... I've more been listening to or seeing social media posts from Queens who they don't have the opinion or they don't have this hate or ire that um, she was cast on the show. It seems to be coming from the fan base itself, which Mm. it's not the first time that the fan base has been problematic (laughs) and certainly will not be the last. Oh my God. So much. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand like, so I know we reference it a lot, but, you know, we listened to Race Chaser and they talked about the the season 14 reveal. And Willem was very vocal about the fact that, you know, it's tough because through a majority of modern history, straight, mostly white people, men have been given the roles that LGBTQIA performers should get because that's the character that they're playing. And then you have a program which does have a worldwide audience, is a large show, but it is still a small queer space. You know, you only have 14 people per per run that are on yeah. there. And it's tough because, you know, maybe there should have been another LGBTQIA person who took that spot. And when you give it to somebody who is a heterosexual, cisgender, you know, man... It takes away from, you know, it's it's that history of straight white men taking away roles and and things that uh, an LGBTQIA person should should have gotten. But at the same time, it's drag, and it's you know if you're doing drag and it's being done in a in a respectful and and a, a coming from a place of of passion and compassion and wanting to give back to the the community. You know, I mean, we have allies. We have allies for a reason. Like, I know that they don't technically, although some people like to throw another A in there and say it's for allies. I, I don't think that allies fall under the acronym um, personally. 
Cancel me if you want, but I don't personally believe. No, believe I thought that. it was ace. I thought a was a has been asexual. There's like for a 14 while. different a's that they try to throw in there at some times. Yeah. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, but some people will say like if you look it up, some people will say that the a if there's not two, um, that there's you know that the a is for ally and not for asexual. Whatever, whatever it is, I don't personally feel that it needs to be there. You, if you're an ally, you can be an ally. That is, you're not a part of the community. You are there to help support and uplift it. So you don't need to be a part of our acronym um, at that point in time. But I, 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 I don't. I, I see both sides of the argument, and honestly, kind of fall in the middle. And maybe that gets me canceled because I'm not taking a side either which way. But I don't think that this is. I don't think this is a fight or an argument that needs to rage on within the community. I think that this is not, I don't think this is a fight that needs to be fought. You can say it, you can have opinions about it. And if they, if that voice and that, that thought is echoed and they realize, Hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't do this again. Then cool. Okay. Like that's where it lands. If it starts becoming overrun with, uh, you know, straight white men putting on a, a dress and makeup, maybe then that's a problem. But yeah, I think that's no, that you're you're exactly right. That is the discriminator. Is if this was the default, if this was the dominant, if this was what the show was doing, if they even made their own spinoff that was like, hey, it's straight drag. Wait, didn't they do that? Wait, Secret drag Celebrity you? Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Secret Celebrity would drag you, right? Most of those. Uh, well, drag, yeah, those. drag you was 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 straight women, and most of the majority of the uh, contestants on Secret Celebrity Drag Race uh, were not part of the queer community. There yeah, were some, so- but not all. Right. So it, we've already done this. It's just that in this case, a drag queen and let's just put it out there, drag. And and, and I'm going to say this because I know Rue says this all the time. And I'm not saying Rue is by any means the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the person we want necessarily representing the whole community at all. Like, you know, they can't really do that. And, and she's got her issues. But drag is for everyone. Like, you know, you're, oh. we're all born naked and the rest is drag. Right. There you go. I was like, I was waiting for it. I was, I know, I was, start I was fishing it. for it. My brain was working all for born it. naked and the rest is drag. So, so if we're going to preach this and we're going to say that we are exclusive, you know, inclusive as opposed to the people who we rail against and who come attack us, we have to embrace that anyone straight, uh, gay, queer, pan, uh, whatever sexuality and then every other part of the community like that all of it is valid and if you want to be a drag performer it does not matter and i hope people booking i mean again i want there to be i love the idea that there are bipoc drag shows and that there are spaces where it is it is really celebrating the parts of the community that have been vastly overlooked historically 100% support that all across the board but we can't then turn around and be like everybody has to do this all the time we can't ever allow for these other options these other possibilities these other parts of society it's just it's to me it's it's hypocrisy we we have to be inclusive so well, I don't know. I I, I want to see what they do, or he does, or she does. That pronouns get interesting too, even though they should be the same. So I guess it's she. Um, and I know, and I love everything. Like we said, her her social media, everything she's saying is such fierce allyship that she's a great role model for the rest of the hetero allies out there who who are interested in being a part of our 
you know, our spaces and communities. So I, I, this is the example we want to set, right? We gotta, we gotta, we should, we should embrace it, but. It'll just be unfortunate because um, she is going to be the one to get all the hate rained down on yes. her um, when it really, it, if somebody has that strong of feelings, it should go to production. Yeah. 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 Um, although I will say that I do love the jokes and the memes that have come out of it. And I think Maddie has even posted a bunch of them on her social media. Um, things such as, uh, finally, we're going to get that lip sync of Mr. Brightside we've all been waiting for. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> what are they going to do? Uh, hand her a, a Miller Lite <laughs> during Untucked? <laughs> I was like, these are some... These these are great. These are amazing jokes, and I fucking love it. Um, for that. But yeah, I I it'll be interesting to see. And if she's a fierce performer, then good on her. And um, you know, yeah, I, I it'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. So with that being said, we have chatted about a lot of drag today. We are definitely going to be revisiting uh, season fourteen. Once we've had a little bit of a little bit more experience with uh, this cast in live action starting January 7th. So check it out on uh, live television because it is not on Wild Presents Plus in the U.S. <laughs> We're like the other countries where it's like uh, Drag Race Italia available on Wild Presents Plus, except in Italy. Uh, so check it all out. Make sure that you follow and support the queens that you like uh do not send hate to the ones you do not like and uh yeah like eric said if you have really strong feelings about casting and production uh direct those in uh eloquently uh well-stated letters to the production don't rail off uh against these queens on their social media who have nothing to do with it other than sending in a tape with that being said, thank you for joining me, Brian and Eric, in this conversation. Thank you to all of our dear listeners out there. Check out our social media and uh, website at flameonshow.com. Check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. And we'll see y'all in two more weeks for our final episode of 2021, our year in review, pop culture roundup extravaganza and uh, where we say goodbye to 2021 and hello to a fabulous new year. So until then, peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.